0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. You're listening to episode 317 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Vince Eberly is a full-stack developer at 412 Food Rescue. Over the last decade, he has worked on app development on and off using Ruby on Rails and Ember.js. He has a passion for applying technology in the nonprofit space. He served a year in AmeriCorps and previously worked with communication services for the deaf before coming to 412 Food Rescue. He's also been a bootcamp mentor for Ruby on Rails students through the Block Coding Bootcamp. Vince lives in Pittsburgh with his partner Emma, their Beagle Murphy, and their cat Minerva. He enjoys playing music and brushing up on performing improv comedy. I have personally known Vince for years. We worked at Snap Retail back in 2012. I was a product manager and Vince was an engineer. We have both moved to different cities and have both returned back to Pittsburgh. It is always great to talk to you, Vince.
1: Yes, hello from Pittsburgh, from, from lockdown in these recent times. <laughs>
0: this is the truth. <laughs> well, I know some of it, but for the listeners, Vince, what is your developer origin story?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've, uh, I fall into a category that I've heard on, on this podcast a couple times, which I'm kind of the traditional slash untraditional story. Um, I, I went to college for, for mathematics, um, and had never written a, a program in my life. um. <laughs> Uh, the school I went to uh, was big into computer science, and I got interested in doubling in math and computer science. Uh, but the the hitch was originally, I was actually really bad at programming. I could not um, kind of wrap my head around this stuff um, and spent a lot of time struggling on the practical coding portions of it versus the theoretical... Uh, uh, courses uh, in terms of algorithms and 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 things that kind of lend themselves to math brain people. But I got really interested in my last semester uh, when I took my first web uh, application course. Um, I remember like opening an HTML file and not understanding what this like new world was. <laughs> Um, And, you know, for the final project, we had to build an application and I worked with my roommate, kind of one of the the like stay up 23 hours, sleep one hour on a like scheduling platform uh, for like a film festival that was running in Pittsburgh and it was in uh, Java with a lot of lot of old old technologies. Uh, I think we partially use like uh, Flex or uh, like some portion of Adobe Flash as well. Um, but uh, but yeah anyways, that's what got the bug in me. Uh, so I started to work in startups in Pittsburgh for about four years. I was lucky enough to get a job with a robotics company and then move on to uh, Snap Retail, which was a marketing uh, uh, startup that you and I had the pleasure of working together at. Um, And then uh, I actually kind of hit a block in the road. Um, As much as I loved programming and technology, I was starting to see a lot of um, the things that it didn't have um, in terms of, or, or that I was enjoying uh, the interactions, um, the social interactions, the planning, the teamwork around software, uh, but that the idea of being a 10x developer with headphones on all day was kind of not Mentally jiving with, with um, you know, what I thought of myself as an extrovert and and wanting to interact with people and help them. So, I actually decided to quit my job and move to Austin, Texas, uh, to do a year of AmeriCorps, uh, where I volunteered in a homeless shelter as an employment case manager. And I basically decided that for an entire year of my life. I would not touch a program and I would kind of find out who I was outside of that. Um, and it was a super rewarding experience. It was really amazing. Um, and it was, it was difficult because I think people wanted me to use that technology that year. Um, you know, they, they saw that as an asset of mine that I was willing to work at a nonprofit with that technical expertise. Um, and kind of didn't understand my my hesitancy um, towards towards using that that skill set. Um, so that actually ended up kind of sparking a, a change in me. Um, in terms of, I decided that I, I after that year, I really wanted to go headfirst back into programming. Um, but find situations where that skill set could be utilized to make a difference. Um, so, yeah. So uh, the past of uh, five to six years of my career have been developing web applications uh, in Ruby on Rails and Ember JS, mostly. For uh, what I've tried to work on is social causes and nonprofits. Um, so I've I've had the privilege. Um, to to work on some applications that are that are dealing with some some really interesting use cases and social causes to help communities around me.
0: That's great. So I have you know always been a fan of your career path, and it's almost like you've had almost two careers in your lifetime, which is really cool. So it sounds like the back half of your software career is where you really got involved with Ruby on Rails. So. Is it true that when you um, first saw Ruby on Rails, it was in a very stable point of its life cycle?
1: Yeah. So yes, the first company I worked at out of school had a Ruby on Rails uh, app and on Rails three for managing a fleet of robots, but it was not very involved, and it used Ruby templating. And it was kind of, um, you know, a smaller application. But you're you're totally right, and. Um, I feel like my timeline coming to Rails uh, in in some ways also corresponds to yours as well. Um, In that after that year of AmeriCorps, I was lucky enough to join a company called Spiceworks in Austin, Texas. Um, And they were my first experience of seeing like a large startup team that were on the Rails bandwagon. um so you know we would have fix it fridays where um we would have very specific topics with regards to rubocop you know we would um you know, spend Fridays looking up N plus one queries and trying to fix those and working on very like Rails community centric issues within the application. Um, And that kind of gave me my first taste of like, oh, this doesn't just have to be a tool that you use to work. Like there is also a community built around that you can become really involved with that can be, very beneficial to helping you level up quickly Um, and so that gave me my first taste and kind of launched me into really the next couple years of my career um, at at several different companies using Rails as the primary
0: uh, back-end at least. That's awesome. So I wanna get into your current gig and that's 412 Food Rescue. So can you tell me all about the company and how you got involved?
1: Yes, Uh, so 412 Food Rescue uh, is a nonprofit based here in Pittsburgh. Um, they offer a lot of services, a lot of really cool, super interesting services around food waste and um, creative ways in trying to make sure that that food gets redirected from landfills into the hands of people who can use it or need it. Um, And the largest technical component of that is a mobile application called Food Rescue Hero, uh, which is what I work on. Um, It is an app uh, in the app store that you can download. Uh, And I had had the privilege before joining the company of getting to go on a couple of rescues, um, which a rescue is basically, uh, we get donations of food from restaurants, distributors, um, businesses that that order food for events that are dealing in food. Um, And then basically we have a mobile application that is able to alert anyone who wants to volunteer that that food is available. uh, And we pair them with a corresponding set of nonprofits for that food to be directed to. So I, as a user of the application, will get a notification um you know on on any given day that'll say you know uh this restaurant has 50 pounds of whatever leftover frozen meat is one of the rescues i got so i was you know toting around 50 pound bags of s- frozen steak uh in the back of my car which for a uh, tiny vegetarian <laughs> that was uh the irony was not lost on me um and then getting to drive that directly to a nonprofit um and you know getting to make those connections with the community um building relationships with those people at the nonprofits Um, getting to see their plans for the food, you know, like their dinner menus and um, a lot of the clients that are impacted by um, being able to have that food redirected from restaurants. Um, And so that mobile application, um, which is kind of an on-demand way for people to be able to volunteer and contribute to the problem of food waste within their community, Um, has been, it's been really exciting.
0: That's such a great story. And I have personally used 412 Food Rescue when I held a large scale hackathon a couple years ago. And we had so much food left over. And so it was so easy to go onto the app and find someone really only a couple miles away. And just to see the joy of dropping off the food that you otherwise would have thrown in the trash was just a really great feeling. And I just really believe in what they're doing. So how did you get involved? Did you see a job posting? Did someone refer to you? Like, how, how did you get involved in 412?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, so 412 actually started as a hackathon project. Um, and, you know, uh, listeners might not uh, uh, see it as much as we do being in the community um, of Pittsburgh, but uh, it's been building steam over the last couple years. And I had volunteered using the app and knew about it, um, but was unsure, you know, if there were places for more um, uh, technology employees to step in and contribute. Um, And since joining, have learned, you know, a lot of people are willing to volunteer and a lot of... um, consultancy shops will reach out to help with nonprofits, but sometimes it can end up being a real hodgepodge, like a lot of cooks in the kitchen being able to give part of their time. Um, But I saw a listing in a community Slack for an opening, Um, and was able to go in and kind of see the operation at work um, and see how many pounds of food were being moved in a day and talk with volunteers, uh, nonprofit um, employees as well as donors all in one day, which it was really interesting to see that entire line of the community at work, like each piece of, of the puzzle. Um, and I thought it was something that was really happening on kind of a micro level that was making a big impact in my immediate community, which was really, um, really unlike very many companies I
0: had seen. So what is the technical stack of 412 Food Rescue?
1: Yeah, so currently, the backend is Ruby on Rails, <laughs> uh, which makes sense uh, me me being on this podcast. Um, uh, so it's Ruby on Rails on top of a Postgres database. Um, we use Capistrano for deployments and um, are are hosting it on uh, AWS with uh, EC two instances. Uh, and we use S three and and that for the API, um, and that serves up a mobile app which is built in Ionic uh, with the Angular framework. Um, so the mobile application is, you know, a web application that's wrapped as a as a hybrid mobile application. And then uh, for the administrator side of the application, it's actually still. A traditional Rails app, so it, it uses the whole shebang, if you will, in terms of um, you know Ruby templating with Hamel, uh, and and um, you know it's not a, a, a application that leverages front end frameworks. It's still um, entirely in the Ruby on Rails portion. So that plus the headless API serving the mobile application all live under one roof together.
0: Now, are you currently the only developer? So it is me and one other
1: developer currently.
0: Yes, there are two of us
1: and there is a product designer and a QA person. So that is the the entirety of a a small nonprofit engineering department.
0: Which I'm definitely familiar with, (laughs) but I am curious from your standpoint, what are the best and the most challenging parts of being a small team on a production application? Yes, (laughs)
1: Oof, yes, <laughs> um, there are a lot of rewarding things and a lot of frustrating things on any given day. Um, I try not to let them overwhelm me, um, but actually, in all honesty, your work at the Cultural Trust here in Pittsburgh was a big inspiration for me wanting to take a job like this and um, Because when you work on a a small team that's doing something community-based, I feel like there's a potential to build a real uh, relationship with the people around you to um, work optimally and have a lot of empathy um, for one another. Uh, As well as one of the pros, that's not easy. Um, It's by no means a given. Um, but one of the things I saw with you is that you were able to work on a small team where you're one of the only developers, but still be able to improve and educate yourself within the community. And I think that's one of the nice things about Rails is a lot of the developers out there um, have sort of open sourced the educational um portion or, you know, um, blog posts about architecture, about best practices, um, about upgrades, about, uh, you know, uh, how to use some of the more popular gems or libraries in the community. um, So that, you know, I've been very lucky in my career to work on larger development teams where I have learned so much from my coworkers. Um, but when you choose to go work at a smaller company where it was just you, it doesn't have to come as a total
0: sacrifice where you no longer are able to learn or grow as a developer. I totally agree with you. I find it challenging that while our code base is fairly complicated because I'm the sole backend developer, I just can't possibly keep that all in my head. And we have an understanding as a team that when someone asks a question, you are given the space to be able to look up that answer and not just know because tech companies, you have an expert who's in a part of the code base who just knows it back and forward. And that is just, you know, I maintain four different applications. It's just not feasible for that but because I work in Ruby on Rails it makes me so productive to your point I'm able to delve into other areas that are interesting to me and to be educated in them so I've learned a lot about AWS I've learned a lot about you know um, UX design and things like that just because I'm able to observe my coworkers and be able to interact and really I have the bandwidth to be able to watch the product affect the users too which is a really cool feeling. An
1: amazing answer um, to that because there are times where that's kind of concerning, right? It's like not having that expert in every area behind you. Uh, and the combination of working for a smaller company, especially one whose main gig uh, isn't exactly software, you know, so they they didn't set out necessarily to build only a software product. Um you know, they have expectations of tech workers. We're not the the cheapest crew. And a lot of times we're not the easiest to work with. You know, engineers come with a a bit of a a reputation or a stigma. Um, But within those smaller um, teams like that, like you mentioned, like it's really great to see the empathy that people afford you and kind of how much Extending that kind of um, uh, that kind of relationship to a teammate can encourage growth, and um, you know it helps you become comfortable, especially in the programming community, which can be really competitive and can be really intimidating to newcomers. Um, of of f- the feeling of needing to be the best or have a free answer or be able to just slam out code nonstop, Um, it's really nice to have the ability to take a step back and and say, you know, I'm learning, and to get that validation from, from smaller companies that you really do believe in and want to work for, that that's okay. Um, You know, it, it really wouldn't, it wouldn't be as beneficial of a job to you or I if we weren't given that opportunity.
0: There is a magical feeling when someone asks you for a feature when you can identify in that company that you can do something in order to make their lives that much easier. And then they send you like an email just to follow up with you and you're like, oh, I ship that. Like that's out there. Like please use it. And like you, you see them come back to you and say, "Oh my god, this is this has changed everything." And so being able to have that relationship, you know, and have Ruby on Rails make it that much easier has been absolutely huge. Oh yeah, like a hundred percent.
1: It's I, it sounds. A little bit vain, or I, I thought it used to be a little bit based in vanity, or or um, uh, my need for <laughs> constant validation. But um, but it is, um, really helpful to be able to get that immediate feedback and to have teammates and coworkers who are constantly voicing their appreciation and like they are blown out of the water by technical features that you yourself may know like, aren't, you know, uh, they're not the the next, like whatever magical technology is the next big thing, but um, it's very important to have that. You know, I've worked at larger companies that have really impressive development teams that are constantly churning out stuff and you can become a little bit numb, you can, um, depending on how big the company, you can lose uh, sight of what's the the expression is like losing sight of the the trees for the forest or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like uh, you can become detached from that end user experience or um, from from the benefit of the programming you've been doing. Um, Uh, you can get caught up in the strictly technological world of it, which is constantly optimizing and uh, feeding into echo chambers of architecture patterns and uh, 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 things that you think you need to optimize that are not even on the radar of of most of the people. When you work in a smaller company that is not uh, dealing
0: solely in software. I agree. So I'm, absolutely curious as you noted in your origin story you left ruby on rails and then you came back and so i'm curious when you sat down to your computer for the first time knowing that you were going back to ruby on rails you know getting ruby installed you know bundle installing your gems downloading that legacy project did ruby on rails feel like a comfortable slipper or did you feel that you had to do a lot of catch up based on the work that had happened to rails since you had last used it
1: yeah that's a it's a good question. I think the answer is both. Um, it's funny there are some constructs that are like um, have changed a bit but are kind of old, faithful friends um, having the console to develop along with um, you know as kind of a sandbox um, active record you know, has changed over time, but is still, you know, uh, if you know the basics, like it is it is very similar. But also, you know, coming back in several years later after taking a break um, in which I moved to C Sharp and then uh, moved to <laughs> working in a homeless shelter. <laughs> um, uh, on the flip side, uh looking at a gem file after that break was like okay apparently you know there are uh, libraries that have become standard and and largely used in the community and kind of accepted as satellites of rails in in a way you know um seeing those as well as you know when i got back into it was was when people started talking about containerizing um, and and using docker and being able to kind of build consistency across environments um, uh, that sort of helped me finally feel okay like feel comfortable tackling the magic of of bundler and um, uh, configuration in terms of... You know YAML files and and secrets and and how all that fits in the deploy process. Um, it's nice because uh, Rails is um, somewhat similar to Ember JS uh, and, and that community. And I had also been working in that framework for a little bit. Um, and it was nice because one of the things about convention over configuration is um, you. it may seem daunting to jump back in, but there are a lot of these community libraries and uh, concepts, even not libraries, but just, um, you know, uh, we've gone through the phases of you've gotten to see like uh, skinny controllers, fat models, to service objects, to... A lot of people pushing out ideas um, that that help uh, uh, Rails developers find their their happy place or or what what their optimal uh, flavor of using Ruby and and the Rails framework on top of it. Uh, and you have those kind of vetted things in the community to say, okay, maybe I don't know this thing, but it's been kind of endorsed. And um, I use Ember because there's a, there was a very, you know, similar uh, uh, methodology. What are the most likely candidates for pulling into the framework in the future? Uh, you know, one of the examples being something like active storage, um, you know, uh, uh, paper, you know, we still use Paperclip, which, you know, was is is such a big part of the the community and then kind of finding that uh everyone out there is using it and then looking uh in terms of pulling that into the framework and what it would look like as a as a standardized uh, uh piece of it
0: for sure so as someone who's been in other software communities like you mentioned c sharp emberjs js um what are your thoughts on the future of the ruby and rails communities
1: yeah um so uh, there's a lot of exciting uh, things I see coming uh, in terms of Ruby three um, and and things that have delivered in Rails recently. Um, in terms of the Ruby language, you know, I was lucky enough while I was working at Communication Service for the Deaf to start to program in an Elixir, um, and uh, I know there's a there's a narrative. Um, uh, about uh, performance or or you know elixir being uh, similar to ruby but also um having certain advantages um that that shops are migrating to it um but i really really uh respect i can't remember what it's called but i know i remember dhh had written kind of like a a while back, uh, a list of rules to explain the decisions made in Rails. And I like, um, uh, you know, you can look at things like pattern matching or something that's happening in a different language that people love and and not immediately try to explain why your solution is better um, and really jumping on board. Um, Because I think one of the things that is nice about that as you get so much cross-contamination between these communities. And I know personally, as a JavaScript developer and with a lot of bootcamp students that both you and I have had that are learning JavaScript and Ruby at the same time sometimes, um, it can be really, really helpful to see some of those features that you really enjoy in one start to show up in the other. Um, you know, it can, it can be a real relief to start to see the cross-pollination of ideas across those communities and how to make you feel comfortable and able to make that transition more seamlessly. Um, and then with regards to Rails, uh, the new releases have a lot of really interesting uh, features. Um, you know, like I said, we've been looking at moving to active storage um, for our image uploads, um, and even ones that, um, like action texts that I may not use personally in my work, um, I really kind of have a respect for the decision made that goes into bringing those in, and I don't know if you've had this at all, but, um, you know, having switched contexts, like you said, and working with other technologies as well as different Rails apps at different companies, um, one of the things I am very appreciative now is you know starting at a nonprofit recently where um, we don't have the ideal Rails setup. It's not been years of of a real you know uh, dedicated software team doing. Best practices. Um, so, and I find myself back in a world where I am using Ruby templating and Hamel again, uh, and have come to really appreciate some of those features that I wrote off because I thought uh, I had moved on to the world of being a a, a Rails API only developer or kind hmm. of like a, a headless Ruby on Rails. Uh, uh, engineer, uh, the application being headless, not me. <laughs> Although sometimes <laughs> I wonder.
0: <laughs> well, on that note, Vince, um, how can listeners follow you and 412 Food Rescue? Yes. Uh, so uh,
1: 412 Food Rescue is at 412foodrescue.org. The organization is based in Pittsburgh, um, but one of the exciting uh and uh, features and applications I'm working on currently is we are working to find other nonprofit um, uh, kind of point companies in other cities who are already doing food rescue. Uh, and we are kind of building the application for those cities in particular. So it's been really exciting to see it spread. It's, uh, we're we're currently in parts of California, um, in parts of Philadelphia, we're, we're, we're starting in Canada. And, and, and really, um, it's, it's been cool to try and scale the application to support uh, multiple different areas around the country. And, and Leia, our CEO, is really, uh, really working hard and, and doing incredible things to uh, be able to have an output in terms of poundage of food not wasted currently. Um, So yes, they can check out 412foodrescue.org and if you're in one of the areas I listed uh, You can search food rescue hero in the app store uh, if you're willing to volunteer Uh, And then me I am uh, one of the lamest people in terms of being able to reach out to me uh, in that uh, I am not uh, currently on much social media much to the chagrin of my nieces who think I'm a I'm like a 78-year-old man. Um, mm. But I try to stay active on, on um, you know, a lot of the, the Ruby forums and um, discourse and, and whatnot um, and can be reached on, on LinkedIn or um, Vince at 412foodrescue.org.
0: And let's be real, listeners. If you want to reach Vince, you could just go through me. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yes. Yeah, I uh, recently had someone uh, screenshot me a, a Facebook event listing because I don't have a login, so uh, it's official. I'm now uh, I'm now difficult to reach, and uh, I have go betweens for everything.
0: That's perfect. Well, Vince, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the show today and bringing all your insights from all the different communities and all your great work with Four One Two Food Rescue.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Brittany. I really appreciate it.